0: training camp series. And joining me on the podcast today is the special teams coordinator at Georgia, Coach Scott Fountain. Coach, it's great to have you here.
1: Uh, glad to be here.
0: Well, Coach, uh, for you, your coaching career started at the high school level. So uh, you have a good outlook on what a lot of teams face, you know, a lot of our listeners face as far as, um, you know, not necessarily having a huge staff to handle things, but for you, it's about organization. So if you have more coaches, you're going to utilize those guys. But you want eyes looking at every part of uh, your units. And as you were describing to me, uh, you're going to assign guys to, you know, to break it up in certain ways so that everybody is focused on a certain area of that and that everybody's getting coached up.
1: Yes, and you know the luxury for us here at Georgia, we, we do have a lot of, a lot of help. And with the 10th coach, I think that's really created two really good things for special teams coordinator. One, one for me, it has given me an extra coach and our system here under coach smart to use five coaches to assist me in the, 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 four areas of special teams. So that, that's, that's been really good. And then the second part for me has been, and in the last two years, I've been able to really just focus on teams and not have to coach teams and running backs or teams and tight ends. I just do special teams. So that that's really up to those two things. And I know as a high school coach, you know, spending six years doing that, that that's not always the case. But I do think it's just so important to have eyes on everything where everybody's, you know, being coached in as great detail as, as you can.
0: Coach, as you put this together and guys are reporting to camp – Um, you know, certainly at, at a school like Georgia, guys are competing for any kind of spot on the field they can find. But, um, I think just like we look at guys with certain profiles for our offense or for our defense, that there's certain guys you look for, uh, in different parts of your special teams for you, how do you organize and, uh, get together the guys that are probably going to fit well in, in, you know, each unit and, uh, each position that you, you have to put together here.
1: Yeah, I think a couple of things, and and it's different everywhere. And a lot of times it goes back to the head coach. But here, every kid is gonna play on special teams. They don't really have a choice here, and that's just something that comes from our head coach. He promotes it from day one. If you play on teams, and you can play on offense and defense. So that's our approach to it. Now, you do have some positions like a quarterback that obviously is not gonna play on special teams. But you know, so how I try to break it down is: a, if a guy's a starter for us, I typically We'll try to start him on two units. And if a guy starts for us and he has great endurance, such as a Miko Hardman that played here last year, I will start him on three teams. So like Miko last year was a punt return, a kick return, and he also was a gunner on punt. Which that's rare to have a guy that can do all three and start. But that's, that's, that's one of the avenues. The next avenue is we look for guys that have a smaller role on offense or defense. You know, they might be playing 10 or 15 snaps a game and try to get them into four roles on special teams. So those are guys that are going to have a bigger role on teams and a little bit smaller role on O and D. And then probably the last one that's probably the most important is I try to find a guy or two or three that maybe doesn't play at all on offense or defense, but he has a knack for special teams. And, you know, Brandon King's a guy that, I coached at Auburn. It's been with the Patriots now going his fifth season. I didn't play at Auburn, but he was great on teams. And so I always try to sell that to guys that, you know, if you can just find an opportunity to play and help us on teams, you have an opportunity for a great career at the next level. And we we had a kid here last time, Jason Stanley is now with the Falcons. Same, same situation with him, played on offense, but started on all of our teams. So, um, so we look for those guys that have a big role in O and D, and try to involve them with at least one. We try to get them on two teams, and then guys that have a less role in O and D, get them a much bigger role on teams, and then our guys that may not play at all just has a knack for playing teams. You know, so we, we try to break it those three categories, and then uh, try to try to build our special teams around that.
0: Coach, when you look at um, you know the different skills and and techniques that you need to teach on your different units I think uh, an important thing just like you said you have coaches to do that and I think back to the days I played you know special teams part of practice was get out there and run the full 11 on 11 uh, unit on on you know reps of pun or kickoff or what it might have whatever it might have been and um, you know even early in my coaching career and then fortunately had the opportunity to sit down with some good guys and, and learn how to teach the different skills and the the individual techniques so when you're looking at you know breaking down things in camp and practice how much time do you guys spend on the individual parts the individual uh, skills of those units yeah, we
1: definitely spend a lot of time on that now what we do as far as teaching, I just think it's so important to use words. And to, so don't don't describe, for an example, if you're telling a guy on punt return to, if you're describing something and you say, okay, I want you to go attack him, I want you to shoot your hands, I want you to do, and you get into a long paragraph, it gets, it kid's going to tune you out after three words. So we try to break everything down. So for an example, on, on punt return for us, we use the term there is a start, there's a battle, and there's a finish. There's only three things to punt return, start, battle, and finish. Now, that never changes for us on punt return. What is a start? That's at the line of scrimmage. And then there's there's, there's a couple of things we give them with the start, and then we get into the battle. There's two tools that we give them in battle. And in finish, there's three tools we give them to finish with. So it's, I think it's real important to ingrain that in their head. So if I'm in a meeting with a player, I can say, what are your two tools of punt, punt, uh, punt return? You know, and, 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 and ret- when I say that, I, I, so I go, I, I go more like this and, uh, in the battle part of punt return, you have two tools. What are they? Well, I want to hear them say steel rod and tricep push. Those are the two tools. They never change. And I, and after a while, not, not instantly when meetings start, but, you, know, you get it into camp, you want them guys just spitting it out to you. So, mm-hmm. you know, I worked for Gene Chiswick several years ago at Auburn and at Iowa State and we worked together at Central Florida, but he's a defensive guy and he, he used to I used to listen to him always talk about we gotta come up with simple words that make sense to kids, not to us but to kids. So that's kinda of what I've tried to build with with our special teams. Uh in terms of um I know you you had um, I got trying to remember what else you had uh, had mentioned in your question, but uh, anyway, that that's as far as the teaching. That that's a big part of it. And you mentioned about individual, so individual right. drill work. So what we try to do in season, which I think is really important, is for us every Monday is a is a day where on special teams we do drill work only. So it's kind of unusual, but every Monday we're going to have. We are going to devote anywhere from uh, t- typically about twenty to twenty-four minutes of special teams drill work that day. So we're going to go out, and we have punt drills. So we're going to have uh, coverage drills. We're going to we'll um, we'll work uh, some phases of coverage drill in, in battle and in finish. We'll go to kickoff coverage. We have certain drills there that we hit KOR and pump return and the beauty of it is the first day you introduce those drills it's a first Monday it's a little bit you know sogged down a little bit where it's not perfect but man by week two week three they know exactly what to do every Monday I can even put a schedule up there and they can run through it so we'll just do it we're really focusing on the intimate details of drill work every Monday now the rest of the week it's all about game plan. What are we doing? So, I think that really helps us. And then the last part of that, I think, is huge that we do in camp only, and we're doing spring ball is we're going to spend about every third day. It's going to be a competitive day on team. So, if I get two periods of that that practice, so I may do punt in one period, and I'll come back in my next period and I'll do a competitive drill. So. What I mean by uh, competitive is I'm going to work a punt and a punt return drill against each other in space. And I may have, you know, four lines going or three lines going and whatnot, but I'm working a part of that phase. So for punt, I may be in the phase where I have them in the battle going down the field with punt return. He's working the battle and the finish. So just try to incorporate those, those three ways, you know, so verbiage. Is number one, you know, and that, that's in all season. you got to figure it out, change what you're changing, but make it make sense. May, maybe use words that are catchy for, for young kids, so verbiage. And then we're going to do that individual drill work that we learn in camp every Monday through the entire season. And then we're going to finish up by doing, um, you know, do, doing our competitors in, in spring and August. Who wants who's going to compete when it's hot and it's tough and it's tired? So we're going to go through a whole scrimmage at the stadium and then at in the practice, we're going to do a competitive period for our, for our football team.
0: Coach, I love that idea of of breaking up um, each of those each of those plays into different phases of of it, as you you mentioned, start, battle, and finish. As an example, um, because I imagine for you, uh, that also puts a focus on how you can break that down and evaluate and determine where do we really need to get better. Maybe you have a a guy who's who's really good at start but struggles with you know the battle that you can mm-hmm. focus then on working some some drills there um how do you employ the the rest of your staff who helps you out in in helping figure out and breaking those things down looking at film or is that you know really just falling on you
1: really so what i do is when i come out to practice Offense meets, defense meets, and our special team staff meets. I have a staff of two other guys helping me. Uh, you know, and Some of us off the field work only, but we'll come in here and we'll watch practice, film, and evaluate, grade people, et cetera. But the, uh, another thing that we do as a staff is every day we carve out anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour where those five guys that I've chosen to help me on special teams will go in and we'll meet and go over a few clips from the day before and more importantly we go over what we're doing that day so when we get on the field there's there's no issues so you know in camp we're going to meet every day and spring we're going to meet every day we're we getting the season we're going to meet about two days a week if we need more than we'll do that off we're playing a unique team that presents some real changes for us then, then we may meet a little extra but but I'm going to come in and evaluate it and watch it and talk through it. And then we're going to have a staff meeting with our coaches that are involved with coach smart. He's always in that meeting. And then of course we'll go and have that meeting with players.
0: Uh, On the evaluation part of that coach. um, You know, I know for everybody, it's, it's the formal part. It's the informal part. What are what are the things specifically that you're looking for as, especially in camp here, as you're going through and figuring out who's our best 11 to put on each unit uh, what things do you specifically evaluate as you're grading your film?
1: I mean, I mean for me, it's, it's so on punt thing for me. It's real simple. Alignment: can a kid line up? You know, in time. I know I don't take it against him early, but can a kid get in a, a line up? So we call it alignment. And the next thing: can they remember the rule? And then their last thing is: can they use their technique? Those are the three things. So if I'm in a meeting. This is one of the ways I'm going to evaluate them. Yes, I'm going to evaluate on film, but I'm going to go in a meeting and I'm going to say, "Hey, right guard on punt." Talking punt, hey, right guard. What is your alignment? And you better tell me his alignment. You know, if that's two yards, two and a half, whatever it is, what is your alignment? And then I then I'm going to say, "Well, well, what is your rule?" I want him to say his rule, which is a real simple rule. What is your technique? So. I want to hear it in a meeting because I don't, I don't want to hear it on the field. I can sit on the field and all that, but I want to get in a meeting and see if I can ask a kid a direct question in front of the team of 100 kids or whatnot and see if he's going to answer it or if he's going to sit there and uh, uh, you know, start doing that. And I, you don't know I'm going to go to guy. You're not ready to play here at Georgia. So that, that's one of the ways I'm going to evaluate him. So I get to evaluate him in front of the whole staff, the whole team, and the head coach. That's a lot of pressure on him. To, and I told you about the start, the battle, and the finish. I'm going to ask them all the time. And if I do a punt return that day, I'm asking at least three guys, hey, you tell me about the start, you tell me about the battle, you tell me about the finish. And they got little words that are going to describe that. So that's one of the ways. When you get on the field, I'm going to really look at can they do those things. So can they align properly? Are they doing what they said? Uh, 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 rule? Are they pointing it out to the right guy? Are they doing the rule on, on the punt team? Are they pointing to the correct guy to block? And then their uh, technique, are they using the proper technique they've been taught? Now, some of it may be athleticism. Some of it might be because their spacing was too big, they couldn't execute that assignment. Or it may be that they're just not in the special teams. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, all those three things I'm trying to evaluate. And of course if the guy's not into it, I'm gonna I'm gonna call him in and talk to him. Those things. But uh, so I'm I'm doing it mentally in a room which I think's huge. I think it's huge. I just don't think enough of that goes on. Second, I'm gonna evaluate that talent on the field. I'm not gonna come in and grade every guy and put it on paper and hand it to him. I'm just gonna have me and my staff watch it. And then the 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 um the next part of it is, I'm gonna these coaches that coach a position where they really come into play. Like if you're the right guard and right tackle coach on punt, he's gonna have a huge say on who his top three are. You know, so if he if i and if I don't completely agree with it, I may say, boy, you know this guy here, I think he's done a great job. And he said, well, I just I don't like him. Blah blah blah. Then I'm gonna to listen to him, but ultimately I'm gonna make the decision on it. But their input means a lot because if I don't let their input mean anything, then they're not going to be very good coaches for me. So I think that's important. so the, the whole evaluation for us, it starts in the meeting room. mental, Mentally answer questions out loud. Put them on the spot. I think that's important. You don't want to embarrass kids early that are new. But it really helps you. <laughs> if they can't make the call and call it out in front of you and be loud with it, be proud with it, they're not going to do it on the field, so that's one phase. It's The mental part. The second part is the athleticism on the field. You know, are they are they executing the, the three things I just said, which is alignment, assignment, and their technique. And then, then lastly, you know, uh, the coach's opinion of what who he's coaching out there. You know, what he thinks of that kid, of his his kids. I put I put a lot of weight into that.
0: Coach, over the years, you've really become known as uh, uh, somebody who can develop return men, and I know part of it is finding that special guy and recruiting, recruiting, but but ultimately uh, there is some development that needs to go into it. So for you, what are the keys to developing a good return man? What are the things that you are looking for in him, but then also what are the things you're going to work on?
1: Yeah, I think in a returner, the age-old deal with all – special teams coaches but more importantly most head coaches and return returner coaches is we got to have a guy that's reliable and catch that ball and there's no doubt so give an example you may have three guys on your team and two of them might be really good at catching the ball he looks good doing it he's comfortable he's a punt returner he's a natural punt returner at catching the ball well i always try to look for that guy that a he's got a little crap in his neck you know it's not a He's a tough guy, but he really wants to do it. So he may not field it as well as some, but when he gets the ball in his hand, he's going to do some dynamic things. Now, the trade off there is you might have a punt drop at some point, and, I, and nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. So, you know, we we uh, a situation here. We had Amico Hardman, was a kid that was not a natural punt returner when he got here, but man, he was fast. And he could hit it down the hill and all those things. He ended up leading the SEC, I think, two years in a row in punt return and kickoff return. But but he was dynamic when he got in his hand. But man, he had to work it and work and work. It. So if you're going to go with that guy, he's got to be a guy that's willing to get out and do that and work extra in the off season and all that. So when I was at Auburn, Chris Davis was a kid there that going into senior year when he came out as a freshman. I was not doing special teams at that time, but I, I liked what I saw, but all I heard the coaches say, all right, he he gonna phone the ball, he'll cost you a game. <laughs> so we're sitting back there with a, a below average guy catching it at the time, but he could catch it. So he would he could secure it and catch it for you and move on. So when I took over the special teams there, I, I really had to, you know, battle. And you're gonna have to battle especially a guy with your head coach a little bit about a guy that didn't catch it quite as well as the next guy, and but Chris went on and returned uh, two punts that year for touchdowns, led the SEC, and of course ran the kick six back in that game. So, so you got, but but Chris, one of them guys, that had a little crap in his neck, and he's tough, and 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 I think another piece of it, I've always, for whatever reason, defensive DBs have been better punt returners, typically for me than an offensive guy. So. You say, that's not true with Miko. Well, Miko played defense here for a year. And then the next year, we moved to point return on the offense. So he was a DB at, at, you know, at heart, I guess you could say. And then, of course, Chris Davis was a DB there. But uh, that's not always the case as a defensive guy. But a lot of times, the defensive backs or sometimes can be really good fielders because they're in kind of a situation all the time where they're going up for balls and all that stuff. But I just think the biggest thing is a find a guy who has got a burning desire to do it. How do you find that out? It's real simple. Mm-hmm. To see a guy's getting out there and all season on his own and, and getting those punters out there and catching puns. And um and, and 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 then the second thing is is you gotta sit there and develop them and catch and catch and catch. You know, you gotta we work a lot on running back and flipping our hips like a center fielder. We work a lot on running up and catching the ball on the run. And then we work a lot on just trying to catch balls that are kind of weird, weirdly kicked, rugby punts, et cetera. And, um, and just just through that, try, try to develop a guy. You know, we're going to go into camp here this year. We've got about four candidates. And some, boy, I love them. I know they can catch it really well. But at the end of the day, who's a, who can be an impact player for your football team? Coach, with
0: uh, especially – the punt return, um, you know, after that guy makes the catch, it really, when you watch the, the really good ones, it's, it's going to be in those first few steps and, and that they happen quickly after making that catch, right? Because you got somebody coming right now, uh, probably a couple guys, multiple angles. Um, what kind of things do you work to, I guess, simulate that? Because it's easy to put a guy back there with a jugs machine or a punter and, and catch and catch and catch but then to catch and start to get that explosion and making that, those moves right away, becoming a weapon right away. How do you train that in, or what certain things are you coaching up there?
1: Yeah, I think a couple of things. One, when you catch balls in practice, uh, you like for them to catch a live ball and not a jugs ball. You really like to catch them off the foot. But we're also going to take a couple of scout players or my extra pump returners. If you don't have a lot of extra players on your team and we're going to have them run around the pump returners come and catch the ball. So if I had a scout guys, I would typically give them a hand shield and have them try to kind of hit him on his legs, hit him on his back and make them catch the ball without interfering with the catch of the ball. So anything to, do to distract the pump returner. Um, the, the other thing we'll do is, you know, those live punts, if we're covering the, uh, You know, I try to to work as much coverage as I can with the punt unit going down and covering the punt. I'm actually fielding it and returning it versus a live coverage punt. Now, we're not going to tackle them a lot, but some days we will. But most days, it's going to be more of a tag off. But at least we're getting that field around them, the feeling the pressure and, you know, making decisions. So, I think anything you can do to create a chaotic environment when they're catching the ball – so I gave you one example. Another example would, and I'm not a big fan of this drill, but we do it some. Is you sit there and you you put white towels under each armpit and have him catch balls because just something there to irritate him, and or sit down and have him catch four or five, six balls in a row so he can just hold them all together. But I, I, again, I'm not a huge fan of that. The one I, I, I really use a lot here is him catching the ball and three scouts around him, hitting him with the bag all over his body, just not interfering with the catch of the ball.
0: Coach, uh, last couple of questions here. One really has to do with uh, preparing for all the different kinds of punt formations we're starting to see, uh, especially, you know, in the shield punt type of teams, you know, spread out all over the place or unbalanced or you have a couple guys together here or there. Um, You know, it used to be years back you know you saw maybe two or three punt formations all season long and you knew what to work on now it's uh you know it's it's a little bit of chaos obviously the shield is going to protect them and then you have these guys running down and covering so from that standpoint what do you do to to make it I guess simple from a, a game planning perspective for uh, your players
1: yeah you know it's um
0: I've seen guys that you know they see all that and they
1: just check into a base deal but we really try to. You know, basically give our guys some base rules. You know, we have a right side and we have a left side of a punt return team. So that's kind of where it starts from there. And and, and I, I give all of our guys their names or numbers, or right and left. And with that being said, you know, we kind of kind of work out from from the center out on our side of the ball. Now, you get in a day where you get four on one side and two on the other, or four and two, and then one of the shields take off running. And you have to have people assigned. But at the end of the day, I try to have uh, two guys that do most of the adjusting to to the different funky formations and try to have everybody else live at home as much as possible. I've come into a situation a few times where I have to use a third guy that's kind of more of an adjuster for us, but but not a lot, but I have some. So I think – you know, without just giving what we do away with our scheme, it's, that's basically how things work for us. You know, we're we're going to assign you to a guy, and we're going to have two adjusters. And if we need it, we can go to a, a third adjuster. But I think um, when you see teams that run a lot of schemes, a couple of things you can do. If it's a bastard look you've never seen, even though they're a bastard punt team, they give you a, a real bastard look. You not work all week. You can always check out. And, go to a save. where you get eyes and got gaps covered. But I, uh, you know, and then it, sometimes it'll give you a fun, glutton no check right back in a normal look and to me, you go right back to your, your base call. But um, that's how we try to do it. And uh, they, they're, they're at their base rule that holds up 95% of the time. And if it doesn't, then we'll check to something that gives us a little bit of a safe deal, we'll get eyes in the backfield and, um, but I think, I think it's either that or you can say, well, let's go try to block a punt. And I think that's kind of the two things. Most people, when you get a bunch of guys in there, you outnumber them, they're to check people back in. I think a big part when you look at a team, and you look at a team formationally when you're running punt return, who are the eligible? Don't sit out there and cover a guy that's not eligible if he's not a factor. And I, I think with all the spread stuff sometimes, you know, everybody wants to spread out and try to cover everybody. But to me, if they're not eligible, they pose no threat. So when you look at a shield team and they're big guys, like we do a lot, well, they don't scare you a lot as far as a fake. I guess they couldn't a run game with blocking, but if you're playing a team that has a tight end and two quarterbacks about to play in shield, shoot, that worries you. <laughs> you know, so you got to yeah. cover them all. So, you know, going into the game, I think it's important to know who is eligible, who has an eligible number. And then um, I think, you know, probably one of the oldest tricks in the book is everybody shifts and moves and you leave the the long sniper as an eligible guy. So yeah, you got you got to coach your guys on that in camp and early in the season. And if that ever happens, you know, have your plan for it. But that's that's, that's basically what we do here.
0: Coach, recognizing great special teams play I think goes a long way in building into that culture of how important special teams are to you guys. What kinds of things do you do to recognize outstanding special teams play in camp and then into the season?
1: Well, one of the things we do, it's not really recognition of an individual, it's more of a team, but we start every meeting uh, with a break. So our meeting is one eleven on the ready. So, I'll come in the meeting, I'll go 111 on the ready, ready, and everybody will say 111 back to me. 111 means that the 11 are only as strong as the one. So, what I'm trying to promote there is that, you know, on special teams, all 11 guys got to show up every play. And we're watching tape, I don't want to come on tape, and I got nine guys doing the job, and the other two guys, there's other one guy over here is loafing. So, you know, we're trying to promote the culture of one eleven. Everybody giving great effort. We start every meeting and we finish every meeting with that. And um that's that's one of the things we do. As far as, you know, if we're these competitors I talked about in camp, that's a big thing that we do. We'll come back the actually the day of, prior to going out on the field, we we'll do some things, to promote some captains and all that through who's done a good job. But we we'll come back the next day and you know, give a little three-man clap for the best competitive we had that day. Not necessarily a team that won, because we put them in teams and competitives, but we were more recognized individuals, the two individuals that gave great effort against each other. So when I, I put on tape, and we're doing the battle part of punt return, and we're doing the coverage part of punt. Are they using those tools? Are they getting after to the whistleblowers? Then those are two guys that we're going to get in there, we're going to show that tape, and we're going to brag on them. And the kids love that. You know, so give them three, and then I'll show them the clip. So we'll try to get at least three of those after a competitive. And then once we get into the season, we will, um, you know, after the game, we'll always – we talk about momentum plays. So if we had six momentum plays in the game, then I'll I'll – read the first momentum play and I'll have a guy in parentheses that had a lot to do with that momentum play. So I might go uh, we punt the ball and down them inside the 10 yard line on the one yard line. And I I may say the punters now say give three. So I'll go through that way. Any momentum play might have six might have two might have four what whatnot. And then the, the big recognition that we give them as well is a special teams player of the week. So who this you know, and a lot of times that's a guy that plays on four units for us. You know, and uh, he showed up and played well. Sometimes it might be the kicker. He kicks him all out the end zone and makes all of his field goals, and, you know, whatnot, or, or maybe the right guard that makes a big tackle on the punt punt team. So those are kind of three ways that we, we use recognition.
0: Coach, I appreciate you taking the time here with us today. Listeners, uh, you can follow Coach on Twitter, at Coach S. Fountain Coach, uh, again, thank you for your time here. Best of luck to you and the Bulldogs in 2019. Thank you. I enjoyed being with you. Thank you again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, head over to iTunes or Spotify and click five-star for a rate. If you have a minute, write a review. It really helps the podcast. Check out our new home for the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. That's at coachandcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.